Well, we've been in a series, um, a series on re-engaging and reimagining our world. Reimagine's the theme for the year. And we've, I've really looked at different ways that we are re-engaging and how we reimagine that on what I hope is the other side of the pandemic. I think we're all hoping that, aren't we? We're, I know for me, as I've had to book tables at, at my favourite coffee shop, it's like I haven't had to do that for two years. That's a good sign. That's a good sign. Things are starting to spring back. And, um, and so I've, I've been trying to put, do a few messages that are going to help us re-engage, encourage us to re-engage, um, even though sometimes that's a little bit scary. Um, last week we talked about, remember Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats, and it was, it was actually reimagining engagement. We can't win a world that we're not engaged with, and yet we've come through a season that has been all about disengagement. It's all been about stay away and isolate yourself, etc. And, uh, and we've got to somehow re-engage if we ever hope to be part of God's mission in winning a world. True? I hope that's true. And of course, last week I also, in that passage, I pointed out, I started talking about some of the, some of the literary mechanisms and devices that, that we find in Scripture that's, that sometimes if... Uh, if we're not aware of, it can get confusing, it can even get scary. Remember we looked at the sheep and the goats? We looked at the sheep and the goats passage. Well, I'm going to go to another animals passage. I'm going to go to another passage where Jesus uses hyperbole, where Jesus exaggerates. I think when I said that last week, some people freaked out, <laughs> thought I equated that to uh, I don't believe the Bible. That is not what I mean at all. Every preacher exaggerates. And you do too, and you're not lying. When you say to someone, it's hot as hell out there, or cold as ice, you're not lying, okay? You're employing a literary device to make a point, and I think we understand that. And so I'm going to go to another one of those sort of this week, just to reassure you I still believe in the Bible. And, uh, and I also want to pick a passage that uh, has always... I've always wondered about it, you know, because I think that's, that's those passages. When you see unusual stuff, it's like, that's a bit unusual, Jesus. It's actually an invitation to go a bit deeper. And as I did in the last uh, two weeks, something opened up in this passage that I'm hoping will be really, really helpful for us right now in this season. So that's where we're going to go. You good? You ready to go? That's good. Um, well, we're emerging, I guess, in a sense, from the rubble of the COVID season. Would I be accurate in saying that? We're emerging from the rubble. Woohoo! Um, there's been such a scattering effect, and I think, if we're honest, some of us have been really shocked at the way some people are thinking around us. Maybe we've even been surprised by our own thoughts on some things. There's been lots of interesting conversations. True? And there's been labels, you know, from conspiracy theorists to sheeple. Whatever the end of the scale, those things go to. And you know what? No one appreciates it. It doesn't matter what the label is, no one appreciates being labelled. True? True. Um, so, you know, I think it's left, if we're honest, some of us, it's left, um, left us with questions like, and I've actually literally had this asked, what do you do when you can't make people see straight? 
what do you do? And it's like, okay, um, maybe, maybe there's a hint in the actual question that you're not addressing it or not approaching it right. And of course, the question becomes for us, can Jesus give us any wisdom on this? And I think he absolutely can. Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. Do not give... Now, before I even read this, please stay in the room. Okay, I, this, I am not, not going to have a go at anyone. Okay, I'm having a go at all of us in the way that we're all thinking about our opinions. Matthew 7, verse 6. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, pigs, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Which, when you read that passage, that whole passage should raise your eyebrow at least, shouldn't it? Do not give what is holy to the dogs. Do not cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them. Turn and tear you in pieces. I mean, is he actually calling people pigs or dogs? I mean, is he or not? I mean, that's a bit rude in any language. These are just observations. Why would I give what I consider holy to a dog? What, another word for holy is sacred. Why would I give what I consider sacred to a dog? Um, if you're a dog lover, I don't know. Maybe you would, but there you go. Pigs don't eat pearls. Why would I try and feed pearls to a pig? The imagery in this passage is amazing, isn't it? And it's frightening. Think about it. These pigs are going to turn and tear you in pieces. When I was 13, I had my coming of age moment. You know, my, my rite of passage moment. When my dad walked past after years of saying I couldn't go with the boys out west, him and his son and friends, at uh, 13 years of age, Dad walked past me as I sat on the back fence dejectedly. I'd given up asking if I could go by this stage. Walked past me and said, have you got a good pair of boots? And I was in. I was in, Tim. I was out west. That night, we no sooner hit the property gate than a wild boar ran across the road and the boys let the dogs out because that's what boys do. Okay, don't judge me, but that's what they did back then. And so... I'm out of the car with Dad and we're all off and I'm 13 years of age, first time I've ever been out in the bush like this and uh, the dogs bail up this pig in a whole bunch of saplings and there's squealing and there's barking and, uh, and everything's going crazy, there's dust, there was one torch, one dolphin torch between like four people and, uh, and the next minute Dad just says, to, turns to me and says, get up a tree! And there weren't any trees. They were saplings. We were in amongst saplings. Anyway, I did. I found one big enough to go up. And then Dad went up two. He had to grab two and pull them together. And the pig propped underneath his sapling, buried its butt in there while it fought off the dogs. So Dad's trying to reach over to grab the pig. And every time he does, the sapling bends. And, and then he'd straighten up. And this, this, so this is, it's all funny in hindsight. You know, talking about this 30 years later is not an issue to me. But it traumatised me at the time. I thought someone was going to get eaten for sure. And anyone who's been face to face with a wild boar, this was only a little fella, but as they get bigger, they get a bit unmanageable. 
Anyone who's been in that situation, you know what I mean. When Jesus says you could be torn apart by a pig, I've met pigs that could do it. (laughs) So this is horrific. Don't give your sacred stuff. Don't throw your holy stuff. Don't give it to dogs. Don't throw your pearls before swine. Pearls are something that's precious and valuable. Lest they'll turn and tear you in pieces. Jesus, what on earth are you talking about? And then I thought, well, I should read the thing in context. Do you want to read the verses in front of it and the verses after it? And we'll get a bit of a sense of where this might be going. Okay, Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 1 to 5. Judge not and you will not be judged. For with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Now, come on, when we talk about Jesus exaggerating, you want to talk about preacher's hyperbole? Here it is right now. It's not like, can you imagine Jesus saying, when you're walking down the street and you've got a plank in your eye, it's like that, no, no, no. This is not about specks. This is not about planks. Jesus is making a point. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. It's not about specks and planks at all, but about how quick we can be to fault others while being happy to live with even bigger issues in our own lives. Would you agree that's Jesus' point? So these verses, when I look at them, they are about judgment. They are about the measure that will be used against you. They are about criticism. That's what those verses are about. And then we have the pig passage. That's what I want to call it. It's becoming one of my favourite passages, the pig passage. And then we have verses 7 through 12. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven Give good things to those who ask him. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And when I look at this passage, it starts with, it begins with staying open. It begins with humility. It begins with being a seeker. It moves to a declaration that God generously gives good things and it ends literally on the golden rule. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. That's literally where Jesus lands it. So this is overall an exhortation to stay open and treat others the way that you would like to be treated. So let's put the whole thing together now. It starts with judge not, be careful how you judge. Don't be a hypocrite. There just could be a plank in your eye. Why would you give what is holy to the dogs? 
Throw pearls before swine, it'll only get trampled and you'll get bitten. Then it goes to stay open. God only gives good things and so you should treat people the way you would like to be treated. We've still got the difficult passage, hey? But can you see a little bit of context here? If you look at this passage in the centre of that, Jesus is actually talking about maybe how we treat one another, how we talk to one another, and the content of our conversations uh, in the context of treating the other person the way that we ourselves might want to be treated. So Jesus could actually be saying in this passage, and, and we've got to remember as a rabbi, Jesus didn't just speak religious stuff because we've often contextualised that pigs and dogs passage in the religious context. Who's ever heard it taught this way? Um, that's about not sharing the gospel with people who reject it. Okay. As if Jesus would ever teach us not to share the gospel. That's his whole mission. Okay. But the first application probably really is his rejection by the religious teachers of the day. And he was basically saying, I'm not going to keep wasting my time with this. First application. But remember, Jesus is a Jewish rabbi. He doesn't just teach on religious stuff. He taught on everything that was social from, you know, worship of God to hygiene. Remember, hygiene was an issue that sometimes people had a go at him about and his disciples, okay? Um, and every other law in between, right through to paying taxes because in the Hebrew, uh, I won't put it system, but in, in that nation, in Israel at that time, it wasn't a secular separated state. Everything was sacred. The way that we're meant to treat it. Everything is sacred, okay? So that's just a couple of observations. Jesus wasn't just speaking about religious stuff, but he was actually speaking about manner of life. If you want to know how to be treated, or if you want to be treated well, this is how to treat other people. That's why I want to talk to us about reimagining conversation. Reimagine conversation. I'm going to go through this really quick now. I'm, I'm nearly out of time. I'm going to go through it fast. What's some, good, what's some good things to think about when we reimagine some of the conversations? Because I want us to think about some of the conversations we've had, maybe some of the conversations that actually led to strain in relationships or even broken relationships, people distancing themselves. And I'm just going to make some thoughts, comments on this, then I'm going to apply the pig's passage. You okay? Oh, I'll apply it on the way through. Uh, Realise, and I know this is not very spiritual and it's actually quite crass. I've said it before, but I'm trying to make a point. Realise opinions are like backsides. Everyone's got one. Everyone's sitting on one. That's just the truth. That's not spiritual and it certainly ain't Bible. It's just a fact. Everyone has their opinion and we tend to hold our opinions pretty precious. So it pays to realise that when we're engaging people in conversation. And the question we have to ask ourselves is our opinion, our take on current events, our need to be right and point out that others are wrong, so important that you're willing to destroy long-term relationships for it. Really? And I'm only saying this because I've seen it happen. 
I'm trying to help us emerge from COVID. You know, we're not going to be able to change what happened. We aren't going to be able to bite words back out of the air or take posts back down off the internet. We can't do any of that. All we can do is choose how we go forward. Would you agree? So we have to wonder whether us being right is that important that it's going to continue to strain our relationships. That is like the last man standing attitude. You know, I'll be the last one standing. And it's like, I wonder whether that's why, what Jesus said, the meek shall inherit the earth. You know why? Because when all the people that are determined to be the last one standing have finally devoured each other and torn each other apart, the meek will be the only ones left. Yeah. <laughs> the meek shall inherit the earth. I don't know. That was just a thought. Here's the second thought. Be careful how you approach what you consider to be unclean. <laughs> now we're getting to the pig's passage. Be careful what you, how you approach what you have already judged to be unclean. See, when Jesus uses hyperbole, and especially in this sense, he's talking to a Jewish audience. And we all know that pigs you know, were a major feature of Jewish law. They were unclean animals and are often used. Jesus cast demons into pigs. So scripture uses pigs... <coughs> Very, very much to make a point. So I'm going to try and sort of take this out of that Jewish context and maybe help it apply it to us, both pigs and dogs, you know, in a Jewish context. Given as a hint, it, it hints at the hyperbole. So Jesus says, don't give to dogs, don't give to pigs. There's, there, there is a, actually, sorry, rhetoric. Repeating himself to make the point. So he's just making the statement, then making the statement again in a different, using a different example. The fact is, pigs run clean. So here's the thought. When you label something unclean, you have a predisposed position toward it. You know that? Uh, Jesus isn't calling people pigs. What he's drawing attention to is when we consider something unclean. He's basically saying, why are you bothering to engage it? Look at pearls. Pearls of what? Precious, valuable. Why do you keep engaging something with what you consider your most valuable argument when you've already written it off as unclean? Because you ain't going to change that. It's just going to trample your argument. And I've seen that. I've seen the best arguments trampled. I've had a few of mine trampled. It didn't change anything. But I do know this. Exactly what Jesus said is true. If you keep hammering away, force-feeding someone who doesn't want to be force-fed, they're going to turn and take a bite out of you at some point. And we've all seen that. Are we quiet here? It's only six of us have experienced this. The rest of us just went to Fiji. No. <laughs> and so I just think Jesus is able to help us here. Because, you know, the moment you label something unclean, it's like, it's like a fence. It's how a fence works. So, you know, if I, um, if I upset Sam, sorry, Sam, gonna, I'm picking on Sam because he's just unupsettable. He's so stable. So. 
But if I upset Sam, I do something that hurts him or whatever, I guarantee you, if he can't forgive me and let it go, then he gets offended with me. That's what we call offence. It goes from I need to forgive you to I'm offended with you. And if you don't let it go, you don't realise it, but you actually put filters on. That offence becomes a filter. This is why Jesus says we must forgive one another, yeah. right? And so he puts these filters on. And from that point, I've learned, particularly as a pastor, it doesn't matter what I do. And it doesn't matter what I say. Everything I do and say only confirms his opinion of me no matter what I do. This is why Jesus said you need to forgive because when you're offended, you're deceived. You enter into what we call circular logic, which is basically I've made a decision on my position with this and now everything I see confirms my position. And you are, in that sense, you're in your own loop and you're deceivable. And this is why Jesus says don't stay offended because you're not really seeing it right. You're seeing everything tinted a certain colour. It's, it's very quiet in here. <laughs> and so that's how circular logic works. And in a sense, that's what Jesus is saying. If you label something unclean, if it's offensive to you, you label it that way, now everything that you know will only, or everything that you're told, everything that you see will only affirm your greatest fear and entrench you in what you know, you're not able to now have a conversation. You're not able to be open. Even when you say you're open and you want a conversation, you just can't be. <laughs> and that's when we get to the point of going, how can I make someone think the right way? It seems impossible. So that's the power of offence. And the fact is, if we get bitten because we keep force-feeding people, we shouldn't be surprised it's only what's going to happen. Jesus is not calling pigs, people pigs, again, when we call people pigs and then we keep trying to feed them and it doesn't matter how precious your argument is, like pearls before swine, it doesn't matter how convinced you are. When you label someone unconvinced, you, you label someone deceived, when you label them whatever you want to put, whatever label you want from whatever extreme of the argument you want to put, the moment you do that, then it doesn't matter how good your argument is. It doesn't matter how good your reasoning is. It doesn't matter how good your YouTube clip is. It just doesn't matter. They're going to trample it underfoot. And if you keep doing that stuff, they're going to bite you. And at that point, the only thing you've got to gain is to lose a relationship, which has happened again and again. And as I said, we can't change the season we've just been through. What we can do is choose where we go from here. Yeah. And so I, that's where I want to encourage us into as I begin to wrap up. Um, so let's paraphrase what Jesus might say to us today. So I'm going to paraphrase Matthew 7. And actually, particularly this verse. Here's the pig's verse said a different way. When you've labelled someone as unclean, unconvinced, deceived, insert your frustration there. Why do you keep pounding them with what you consider precious? Your worldview, government statistics, news articles, cleverest rhetoric or YouTube videos. If you keep it up, they will burr up and maybe take a piece out of you. 
I think Jesus had incredible insight into today. And, um, and so pigs don't eat pearls, no, how, no matter how pretty they are. And that's not to call anyone a pig. That's just to realise. Do you realise what's going on here? Uh, if, if you've already predisposed, then your arguments, it doesn't matter how right you are. It doesn't matter how right you are. Right or wrong doesn't come into it, whether your argument's right or right. This is not about pushing one particular side of the argument or the other. What this is about is, could we actually find common ground and bring some healing where healing needs to happen? Here's some questions for us. Oh, actually, just before I hit the question, I've got a couple of quick thoughts. I think there's three things we can do, we've got to do. There's, we've got to repair the breach, repairing breaches that have been made. I think that we've got to uh, help people really to return to base. And I think we've actually got to be prepared to receive people in this season. So when it comes to preparing the breach, stances were taken, statements were made. Stakes were driven deep in the ground. Do you want to heal them or be right? <laughs> That's it. You don't really have any other options. Do you want to heal them or do you want to be right? Your call. Returning to base. You know, this is so polarising. So people ran to extremes at every point of the compass. And as I said, this is not about who was right, who was wrong. What I want to say, you know what? It's okay to pull up stumps and come back to the centre no matter which side of the field you were playing on. That's okay. There needs to be a return. So the question becomes, could we prioritise, value our relationships over our opinions? Maybe we do need to just, someone asked me this week, what, what, what do I do? What do I, you know, what do I do when I'm at odds? I said, you need to sit down and plead with that person that this is about relationship. Agree you may never see eye to eye. May never see eye to eye. But something more important is at stake here. This is what's important to me. You're what's important to me. Our relationship's what's important to me. And so that's what I want to invest in. Does that make sense? And then finally, a return. uh, That was a return, a receiving back to dig in or to entrench yourself in disappointment or frustration because pride won't let you soften would be the worst outcome for everyone in your world including you and I've seen this guys I've seen it with parents and children friendships siblings work relationships church community Everything that could have been shaken was shaken. And we weren't intending that. We weren't looking for that. We weren't meaning that. But it seemed to become unavoidable. And the real question is, where to from here? Here's my questions to finish. Does my fear or prejudice ever drive me to form opinions without thinking through the evidence or the issues myself? That's something I've often seen is that it is just easier to adopt someone else's formula than to actually think about how I'm travelling 
and what I'm thinking in this? Is there any scenario where I let my pride stop me connecting with people who refuse to accept my opinions? It's always hard when you're on the other side of the fence from someone, but sometimes it's just pride that stops us connecting with them. Are you willing to lay down your need to be right for the sake of the relationship? And who do I need to be intentional about reconnecting with for the sake of love? Just for the sake of love. Because look, in this season, I've just seen it's been so happy sometimes for people to just put stuff in the too hard basket and maybe in the middle of that season, and man, we didn't know it was going to go for two years, it probably was the best thing to do, put it in the too hard basket because it's just too difficult to engage and it's just going to flare up. But if at all we're migrating out the other side, and I'm really hoping we are, that's why I'm preaching this message, maybe now is the time where we need to stop and think, where do I need to reconnect? You know, where, where do I need to start restoring and repairing and receiving another? It's been too difficult in this season. And of course, every second day, there's something else to stir it all up. But now, hopefully, as we begin to migrate away from it, now could be the time to think, you know what? Who do I need to pull back into my world? Who do I need to re-engage? And, and ultimately, I'm appealing to us, we're the church. We should be doing this better than anyone. We should be doing this better than anyone. You know, Jesus is prepared to use pigs as an example <laughs> to help us understand it's not helpful to label. It's not helpful to label. It's not helpful to badger. We actually have to put the relationships that we hold dear centre stage and work from there. So I want to pray for us, you know, as, as a collective, as a church, just all of us right here online. Could we just receive some grace from God this morning? Can we do that? Could we just open our hearts and just receive grace? Father, we, this morning we receive grace in difficult relationships that we hold. We receive grace to be peacemakers, to be lovers, to be forgivers, to embrace, to heal. We thank you. We thank you for that commission on the church to love people to a point of wholeness. Help us, Father. Help us. And in the difficult conversations ahead and those difficult moments and maybe when it's not us who won't let it go, but it's someone else. Help us just take a breath and instead of reacting, really think about how you would have us respond to pour oil on troubled water. And we just thank you for that grace today, Lord. You know, just right now, just right where we are here, um, I hope I've somehow brought the heart of God across. God is in a relationship. It's his primary thing. Really, our understanding of God is he is an eternally existent relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So God's all about relationship. And maybe you're here 
and you'd recognise you don't have that relationship with him. And I just want to encourage you, friend, you can join your heart to the heart of God, just right where you sit, just right where you're listening to this. You can open your heart. Just recognise that, that God doesn't want you far away. He doesn't want you dislocated. God is not in an argument with you. He's, Dan said it so well at communion, that the argument was settled. God loves you, even when you're a mess. <laughs> so just come as you are right now. If you're here, you can open your heart.